You know those moments where you think, I wish I would have learned this in school? Those are the topics that we love to talk about. Join me each week as I interview experts sharing their strategies for solving problems that us young adults will face throughout our 20s and 30s. So what are you waiting for? And if you want new episodes about adulting advice every Monday, hit that follow button. The calendar year turning to fall, conference season is heating up. People are making arrangements and gearing up to attend academic, industry, and professional conferences. Some voluntold by their employers, but others, assuming someone like yourself that would listen to a podcast like this, are attending because they want to level up their career. I love attending conferences. I typically plan to attend at least three a year, This spring, I attended a podcast conference called Podcast Movement, and this coming fall, I will be at a personal finance content creator conference called FinCon, along with two other conferences on behalf of my 9 to 5. I attend these conferences to learn from the speakers and stay on the pulse of industry changes, but the biggest benefit of them all is networking. In such a condensed short period of time, I meet a lot of amazing people, along with seeing some friends from attending similar conferences in years past. I always come home with many collaborations and follow-up conversations that I know are going to help me in my business and my career. After attending a few conferences, I've learned a few things that have really helped me maximize how to meet other people at conferences, but I'm not a seasoned vet, although my friend Mark Hirschberg is. And if that name sounds familiar, that's because you've heard Mark on the podcast before. In episode 35, Mark came on the podcast to discuss how to gain clarity in your career path. And now he is back to discuss how to network like a pro at your next conference. In this episode, he shares tips on how to get started networking before the conference even begins, opening lines to break the ice with other attendees, and how to meet conference VIPs and so much more. This conversation left me feeling both excited and prepared for the upcoming fall conferences that I'm attending. And if you want to feel the same way, this episode is for you. So let's get into it. I hope you enjoy my conversation with the tech founder, shot glass collector, and author of the career toolkit, Mark Hirschberg. So we're currently in the midst of a series all about networking. We've covered up until this point, in-person networking, how to find creative ways to find in-person events, which was kind of fun to put together. I did a solo on that. The second episode, I had a friend on, his name is Nick Gray, and we talked about uh, how to host a great networking party, which I'm sure you would probably have some thoughts on. And then we just chatted about virtual networking, some best practices, some of the differences of in-person networking, but how to really like be a rock star when it comes to virtual networking, especially since COVID popped up. And then this concept came about, which is conferences. And I'm, I'm a big conference buff. I typically go to two to three a year, sometimes more if my schedule aligns and tickets just kind of fall into my lap and logistics make sense. I'm guessing similar with you, you've probably been to your fair share of conferences. And I'm guessing you've learned over time how to maximize your time at conferences. And conferences are great for many different reasons for staying on top of industry trends. But the thing I really want to spend time on today 
is how to network at conferences, both maybe with loose connections that you already kind of know, but also meeting and expanding your current network. So I'm really excited to have you on the the show today and, and talk all about that, Mark. I'm excited to be here and I am passionate about this because I have seen so many people do conferences wrong. And to be fair, I used to be guilty of this myself. But once you just learn a few key principles, you can get so much more out of these conferences. Yeah, so let's let's hold that thought because I'm definitely gonna ask you about some of the things that that you've learned over the course of, of your career around maybe especially the nose, but of course we wanna dive into some of the great things that that's come to you. But first, let's just start with how you decide which conferences to go to because I know you are a super, super busy person and there has to be a lot of consideration in taking a few days off to go and travel to a conference. So what's your general approach or strategy whenever it comes to picking the conferences that you're gonna attend? When I was younger, earlier in my career, it was what was fun. <laughs> and mostly at the time, I didn't have control. It was whatever my boss said. But I remember the Java One conference back in the late 90s, back during the techcom.com era. Mm-hmm. That was 20,000 people. It was just so much fun. Lots going on. At 20,000 people, they had the money to bring in bands and have after parties and all sorts of fun stuff. These days, especially as a CTO, I am busier. I don't have time to go to all the conferences. And certainly as you get older in life and you have a spouse and you have kids, you don't want to be away that long. Mm-hmm. It's a good marriage anyway. <laughs> so you have to be more strategic and say, what is the value I am getting, especially compared to the two, three days of work you might be missing, especially if you're flying cross country. What am I falling behind on? And is this more valuable? And honestly, today, it really comes down to the quality of people, because as we'll get into, it's less about the content and more about the people and the relationship building that goes on. I would say my favorite conference today is one called Renaissance Weekend. Mm. It's one most people probably haven't heard of. It's not Renaissance Fairs. I do like those. Jousting (laughs) is fun. Renaissance Weekend, this was a forerunner of Aspen Institute events, forerunner of TED Talks, of all these things. And it's a conference that is very much about the people. The interesting thing they do in this conference, it's not, here's the agenda. In fact, you don't know, everyone who goes has to speak. It's invite only. Wow. And you have to talk. But you don't know what you're talking about until two weeks ahead of time. And it's mostly panels. Now, the good news is you're only talking about what you're an expert in. They're not going to ask me about future of healthcare, but they will ask me cybersecurity or AI or those topics. So I don't have to prepare. Like, I know this stuff. It's very informal. Unlike TED Talks, which are polished, very informal. And there's just as likely to be an expert in the audience, at least as smart as you, as the people on the panel. But we go not so much to listen to the panels as the organizer describes it. He says, the panels, the talks, those are conversation starters. Mm. That's where you say, wow, she had some interesting points. I want to speak more with her. And it's in the hallways and over lunch. That's where the real power of the event happens. And so I look for more events like that. That makes sense. That's a pretty cool event. What's the total attendee count on that? Do you have any idea? The annual one that happens over New Year's is typically around, it. the last few years, COVID has thrown things off. It's usually around 900, 1,000 people, sometimes a little bigger. They have smaller regional ones, 
that are anywhere from about 200 to 300 people. Okay, that's super cool. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that conference out. That sounds like a lot of fun. I would love to just get something like two weeks prior and be like, hey, guess what? You're speaking on this topic. And I'd be like, let's do it. <laughs> so you brought up a good point. So many of the the professionals that might be listening to this might be voluntold to, to go to certain conferences. It could be vendor conferences or industry-specific conferences and, and a manager or their executive team gets a strong nudge to them that they should attend. I'm also guessing that many people that listen to this podcast are high-performing individuals and they're excited about this. And they honestly might be seeking out some conferences, bringing those and pitching them to their employer. So talking through that right there, let's say less of I'm being told to go to an event, but more so I found something that I really want to attend. What's a good way to approach your manager, your company about potentially sponsoring you in, in order to actually attend that event? Two things. First, when you're in the role and trying to pitch the idea, it's saying to your manager, this is going to cost you X, some amount of money for travel and registration, plus the time I'm not going to be here doing other work, but the value is Y. Mm. This is what I will get. In fact, what we, the team, will get, and as we'll talk about later, when you come back from a conference, you want to share that knowledge because that increases the value. So when you're selling this, it, it's like selling any product. You're saying, this is what you will pay, but here's what you will get and why what you're getting is worth more than what you're paying. Now, that's when you have the job. Something to think about when you are interviewing for jobs, when you're negotiating compensation, one of the things you can negotiate are things like an education budget or travel budget. And this often is different from the pool of salary. This is subtle but important because salary as a manager, you have a budget and salary, and I can't vary your salary one year yeah. to the other, depending on how the company is doing. But I can say, yeah, we'll have $5,000 to spend on your professional development. If there's a bad year, that may get cut. So it's a different bucket of money. And when you are applying to a job, I've had jobs where we weren't quite together on salary and other forms of compensation, but I argued and got an education budget I thought, you know what, if I'm getting a few thousand less, but I'm going to these things, that's going to be more valuable for me in the long run. So don't be afraid to put this as part of your negotiation for compensation. Oh, God, Mark, you're already starting with some gold here. And that's something that I didn't realize until a couple of years ago that you can negotiate on. I mean, I've always heard, okay, start with your salary and then you can start negotiating PTO and things like that. But there is a lot of other ancillary monetary factors that you can negotiate your education budget being one of those. And now every job that I take, that is part of my negotiation. And typically something that's an easy yes for an employer. I mean, they typically see the, the ROI and educating their staff. And they're usually excited for people that are also invested in their own professional development in their career. So it's, I think, an easy one for someone, for a hiring manager to go out and get approved. Exactly. It's the same sales process. Well, I'm asking for this, but here's how it will benefit you. Yes. So let's talk, let's get into conferences. Let's say we picked a conference next month. We're going to be attending this industry conference and I'm starting to prepare for it. I'm starting to get ready for it. I'm starting to think about it. Is there anything that you do in particular kind of pre-conference to set up the networking and, and maybe even at large, making sure that you're maximizing your time at the conference itself? A couple things you can do. Certainly there's a schedule online. And you might want to figure out what things am I looking to go to. 
This is especially important for bigger conferences. I give the example, I've been to the AWS conference, which is in Vegas across five hotels. It's It's insane. People. And the first time I went, I did not plan well. And so I'm trying to get into a conference event and it's, it's overcrowded. So I try to go to another hotel. But if you've been to Vegas, it takes you half an hour to walk out of the ballroom and get to another hotel. Well, now the line's queued up for the next one. I missed that. My first day, I think I made one talk, but I was hearing other people who made less. So plan ahead of time. One important thing, you don't have to stick to your schedule. It's yours. The plan helps, but like all our plans at work, we adjust as we go. Now, the next thing you can do is see who is attending. Certainly, you'll know who the speakers are. They usually feature that. Some conferences will send out a list ahead of time, and that's fantastic because I can look those people up. You should get a list of names, the company they're at, maybe their title, and you can look ahead of time and say, who are the people I want to meet? If that's all you do, you're already ahead of the game because now you have the people you're on the lookout for. You probably looked up their picture, so you don't have to just stare at name tags all day long. But you can even go a step further. If there's someone you're really looking forward to, reach out and say, I see you're going to this conference. Let's grab lunch one day. Let's grab coffee. Let's even just meet during the first coffee break the second morning. Let's meet by the stairs or whatever it is just to to put something on the calendar so you can be a little more proactive in doing this. And a little bit of planning really goes a long way. Now, the last thing you can do, this doesn't work for all the conferences, is sometimes there are almost pre-events. This is less likely for an industry conference. I do see this with Renaissance Weekends I mentioned. You'll see this with things that are more almost lifestyle. For example, Burning Man. Mm -hmm. If you're part of the, it's not a formal conference, but it's an event. Burning Man, you don't just show up at the playa and then leave. There are events throughout the year. And in fact, often first timers are events if you're in a major city where you can go, you can meet people and say, oh, let me tell you about our camp and what we do and if this is of interest. And now at least you know a few people. So if you haven't been somewhere before, see if there's maybe a local community. It could even be, I'll use an example from tech again. If you're going to the Java One conference, there's probably a local Java users group. And at that group, I'll bet there are people who have been to that conference before. And you can just say on the mailing list, hey, I'm going for the first time after our monthly meeting, can anyone stick around, chat with me, join me for a beer, and just tell me about what to expect or what things I should know. So we can start actually some of the networking and relationship building ahead of time. Hmm. Without getting sidetracked too, are you a burner? Do you go to Burning Man? I am not. (laughs) I was first invited actually back in the mid-90s when it was a couple years old. I thought, well, Uh that's interesting, but... I don't know how well I'd survive in the desert. Maybe in a year or two, uh-huh. I said that each year. And now, of course, it's huge. And depending on who you ask, it it jumped the shark a year, two, five, seven, ten years ago. Maybe I, one day I'll go. I, I, you're an interesting man, and I didn't want to pin you, but I, I hadn't, we'd never talked about Burning Man or or kind of the music festival scene in general. And that was going to surprise me, but also delight me if you are attending, because I'm going to be attending next year. And I'm very excited. And you're right. There are a lot of like pre burner events. Most major cities will have a group, some kind of group leader. So there's tons of opportunity for networking. 
But I, I love some of the thoughts that you had around the pre-networking. And you're right, there's so many, both, I mean, there's the industry events or the groups that you can find in your local city before the conference to connect with people. Some other ideas, if I'm really on top of things, I'll make my schedule, I'll find all the holes in my schedule, and then I'll just start slotting in networking opportunities with inside of those. It could be, I know I got lunch on Tuesday and Wednesday that are free. Let me try to find somebody to invite to that. I might be hosting an event or attending an event where that's like an open invite. Anytime I find somebody that I want to see some more of, I might send them my way. I also typically do the app. I feel like most conferences now have a, an app ahead of time and I'll hang out in the news feed for a week or two ahead of time and try to comment and, and get engaged there. And if they don't have an app, they might have a LinkedIn hashtag too. So I'll go search the LinkedIn hashtag and connect with people and, and interact with people with inside of LinkedIn as well. There's just like a plethora of opportunities, depending how big or small the conference is to get the networking going, even pre-conference. And if all else fails, your LinkedIn suggestion is a good one. If all else fails, you can just go on social media, send up a balloon and say, hi, I'm going for the first time and just see if someone in your network responds with, oh, my buddy went to that. Let me connect you. And using the hashtag is, of course, a great way to do it. Certainly, if there's an app, I didn't want to assume there's an app. Apps are great because if you're commenting, then I'm going to recognize your name when I see you in the hallway yep. and it makes a great iceberg. Oh, you know, I saw a bunch of your comments. Now we can start a conversation. Yeah, no, I, I, I typically like apps for that reason alone. Then you can kind of like preset or pre-establish a couple of relationships. But let's assume that you don't have that many people to meet. You're, you, it's day one of the conference. You know, you put on the nice clothes, you walk downstairs, you got your bag with you, you're attending by yourself. You don't even have a buddy to meet up with. And all of a sudden, like, you realize there's a ton of people walking around. It's busy. It's a little intimidating. How do you start conversations? Like, how do you personally go up and, and start actually breaking the ice and getting to know people that are at the conferences? Do you have any tips or tricks to, to really get things going? This is really hard. I swear every conference feels like a middle school dance. <laughs> Unless it's one of the old school ones, again, Burning Man, Renaissance Weekend, some other ones where it's a lot of similar people year after year and you build up relationships. But your random industry conference, it's just like that middle school dance. And when the bell rings and you're going to the first coffee break and everyone stands around nervously looking at the other people, <laughs> And what do they do? They look at maybe not their feet, but they're looking at their coworkers or their phones and not talking to each other. Yeah. <laughs> you need to develop the courage to go out and meet people. I know that's hard, but just like we learn to talk to members of whatever gender we happen to prefer in sometime in middle school, high school, maybe college, same thing here. And the fact is, everyone is kind of just as scared as you. We're all there. And we all want to meet people. We're all scared to do it. And it takes practice, just like it took me a lot of practice to pick up the phone and call a girl back in high school. <laughs> took me practice to do this at conferences. But over time, you build up that confidence. Now, let's talk about a couple things you can say when you walk up to someone. Yes. And there's different forms of networking we'll get into. But this is the, we're in the hallway I'm saying next to you or both grabbing coffee or whatever. There are some opening lines you can do that aren't totally cheesy. Like, do you come here often? <laughs> First, you can ask about the event. Hey, what's the most interesting talk you've heard so far? Or if this is Monday morning, 
What was the best talk you heard at one of the prior events? What are you looking forward to at this conference? Are there any talks you're excited about? So you can just talk about things at the event because you know you have that in common. The second category, you can ask for recommendations. I'm new here. In fact, sometimes badges might show you get the people who've been there before and they get the special badge or yep. other stickers. Oh, it looks like you've been here before. This is my first time. What do you recommend? Or is there a session you recommend I'd go to or a speaker you've liked or even, hey, where's a good place for dinner around here? So you can ask for recommendations because you're flattering the person saying, I am interested in your opinion. Your opinion is worth something to me. You can also do general questions. What company are you with? What are you seeing in our industry? What trends? Things like that. They're a little more generic. Mm -hmm. The last thing you can do, and I do this, it's funny, when I do keynote talks, depending on the talk, I sometimes put this in the talk, you can blame me. You can walk up to someone and say, I was listening to a podcast. There's this guy, Mark Hirschberg, or don't use my name if you don't want to. I was listening to this great podcast. And the guy said, you know what? We miss a lot of opportunities at these networking events. So every break, I should walk up and talk to at least one new person. And that's what I'm doing. Hi, my name is Mark. Mm, Love that. Blame me if you want. But if that gives you the confidence, because now if they're like, that's stupid, you'd be like, yeah, you're right. That guy on the podcast, he was stupid. Sorry, <laughs> you're not the idiot. I'm the idiot. And I am <laughs> happy to play that role for you. I, <laughs> You're not an idiot, Mark. I, I know that from many conversations with you over the last couple of years. But I do like that. Even if if, if it's not your opening line, just that mindset, I think going back to to building courage, also just humanizing yourself and recognizing that everybody is probably in your shoes too. The people that are kind of married in conversation are probably coworkers or good industry friends or things like that. You are not the only one that's standing around feeling like you don't know anyone and that you're not courageous enough to go up and start a conversation. But I like the little challenge of each break in between sessions, go up and have a conversation with someone and give yourself the grace or the encouragement that if you did that, if you started the conversation, that is the ultimate goal here. It's not judging yourself two minutes after the conversation ended and it felt flat or why did I say that thing or all of those. You just got to get in your head and and psych yourself out to, to do it again. It really truly is repetition and practice. And you realize most people are very friendly and most people are also very appreciative for other people that go up and approach them and say hello because once again, they're feeling the exact same thing. I'm going to give you a tip from the other side. Now, this tip comes from Robbie Samuels. If you don't know Robbie, He is a fantastic networking expert. Robbie gives the advice. He says, think about being a croissant, not a donut. If you look at groups, if you look at how we stand in the coffee break areas, we stand in circles. We face each other. In fact, it's kind of rude not to be looking at each other. And so we circle the wagons. And this makes it very hard because those of us who weren't joining a group in those first two minutes when they seem to clump together. Now you're on literally the outside looking in. And so Robbie, it's brilliant advice. Robbie says, form a croissant, form a semi-open circle, because now you're more inviting. Now someone doesn't have to elbow his way in. He can walk up because there's an opening. 
And if you want to do even better, you can be in that croissant. And when you see someone standing by herself or himself, say, hey, come over and join us. And again, as you point out, you are doing this person a favor. You're helping this person out. They will already be grateful to you before the conversations even started. Mm. So be that friendly person. I love that. Let's stay tactical. And I'm guessing you have a couple ideas for key positionings, places that you can be good places to grab people to network that are going to lead you to, to pretty good conversations. For me, I always like to park myself by the, by the coffee station. There's usually a coffee and a tea station that's out there. People get their coffee and their tea, and then they turn around and they pick their head up and they're like, oh, crap, who am I going to talk to? And I like to be the first person that they make eye contact with. And then you can just once again, awkwardly say hello. <laughs> it's great to meet you. What What are you doing here? I like the the opening question on like either what brought you to this conference or is this the first time at your at the conference? You just that commonality of being at the conference alone, I think, is a really easy conversation starter. But do you have a, a couple other favorite location spots? Not even while sessions are happening. It could be post conference or kind of the the late night evening type stuff too. I do. And by the way, to encourage you to listen to this whole podcast, we're going to give you some great tools to help you use these tips. So stay tuned to the end. Other places you can be, I think food, drinks is by far the best. There's a bathroom. That can be a little controversial because people don't really want to look at you when going to the bathroom. You don't want to catch them before because they have something else on their mind. If you catch them afterwards, be prepared for wet handshakes. (laughs) Half the men's rooms don't seem to have towels. Yep. Registration is actually not a bad place to be. And especially for events, this is less true of a conference, but let's just think about an event that's maybe an evening event in your city, some after work professional event. If you're there early, if you're there at the start, then when person number two shows up, well, there's not a lot of options for who she has to talk to. It's going to be you. And so getting there early can be helpful for being early people. You can even get to know the organizers, even often help offer to help set up. If they need a little help, oh, thank you. Hey, great to get to know you. Now you know this person. They might say, oh, let me introduce you to some more. So it's position, but also timing. Now you asked about not just at the event, what about after? When there is a conference, especially if it's at the same place every year, there's always some after party. It's not necessarily a party. There's some place, 98% of the time it's a bar. Uh And it might be the lobby bar of the main hotel or the bar up the street, but there's always some place where people hang out. And if you connect with people ahead of time, you're going to hear about this. Now, again, if it's everyone's in one hotel, there's a lobby bar, that's where they are. But for the other events, it might not be so obvious. In fact, this is even something during the conversations with people you can ask, hey, where do people go after the last session? Where do people hang out? So I do recommend finding out what this is. There's also at different conferences at the big ones, there's usually industry events where they'll rent out some facility, some local facility. I've been to ones at ping pong parlors or billiard halls or even types of event spaces. I remember in San Francisco, they'd rent out where the wild things are, some experiential event. (laughs) And those are not too hard to get into because if you just stop by the industry booth, and chat with them for a bit, they'll usually hand out the invites Definitely. because they've already rented the space. Some yeah. cost. Then there are sometimes the more casual, informal events 
And these are usually the, the people have gone for a while. Sometimes it's at, there's an executive who lives in the neighborhood and it's at her house that they have some party. And this is very hush, hush invite only. And you got to get to know people to do it. Yet another reason to go and meet lots of people. Hmm. Do you ever host your own events or organize your own events at some of these conferences? A hundred percent. It's funny, earlier you talked about how to host a party. And so one thing I do a lot in my home is I host a lot of parties and events. And in fact, when I first came to New York, my good friend, Olivia Fox Caban, she's a wonderful woman. She wrote the book, The Charisma Myth. Mm -hmm. She and I used to co-host parties together and everyone would come to my place. Everyone would get to meet me. That's cool. I've got some other fun stories about that if we have time. When you go to a conference, you might think, well, it's a conference. How have I got put on an event? They've rented out this whole facility. I'm not doing that. But you can do something a little more informal. Typically, lunch is part of the conference. Dinner is not. So most people for dinner, maybe they're with their coworkers, maybe they go to some local restaurant, they're eating by themselves. That's a lost opportunity. So here's something simple you can do. Find a local restaurant. Probably the most important thing is to make sure it's nearby because if people have to start traveling, you lose people. Something within walking distance a few blocks away. And I recommend ideally a local restaurant, not the chain steakhouse, not what you can get elsewhere. Oh, here's a local place known for this food or even the, the cuisine of where you are. And you make a reservation for six, for four, for whatever you want. It's a weeknight, probably, unless the conference is so big, it's sucking up all the tables. They probably do that reservation. There's no cost to doing it. Do it a few days out because then day one, day two, as you meet people, hey, Justin, listen, some great chatting. I know we're heading off to next session. If you're free on Wednesday night, I've got a couple people coming to a dinner. Why don't you come join us? Yeah. And now that's a great motivation for us to exchange information. I've just offered you something. I'm building that relationship. It cost me nothing. Come join us if you want. You just don't you know, want to say, please, please be my guest because you don't <laughs> want to make it seem like I'm offering to buy you dinner unless you've yeah. got a budget for that. But invite people and you get two or three or four people together. And now you have a really great conversation and meet new people. And remember, you're the host. You're the awesome person who put this together. Yeah, and in episode 109 with Nick, we we talked a lot about hosting. It was great networking parties, cocktail parties. But honestly, he gives a lot of tips that I think could be tangential to also hosting an event at a conference. My favorites, well, some conferences let you like submit events that you can host and essentially like you can you can kind of sponsor an event or whatnot if they do that and or even if they don't do that, I'm typically picking morning workouts because I've found a lot of people actually want to to stay healthy when they're at conferences, especially if it's like industry conferences, sales conferences, things like that, where these people are always on the road and they're pretty used to having to, to work out or do things outside of their routine. I love just to, to pick usually the second day, sometimes the third day, depending on how long the conference is, and just do a, a morning running meetup. And then I can just invite anyone and everyone that wants to go on a run. The first day I usually go out and find a, a running path or a, some kind of like one or two mile loop. That'd be really great. I pick a really 
noticeable spot in the lobby for everyone to meet. We're going to meet by the, the pink lion at 7.30, bring your running shoes. And then I do quick introductions for everybody, ask them an icebreaker question, and then kind of you know let everybody go on the run together and then try to bring them back together at the end, get a group picture and, and all the things. And I found that's worked really well. And I don't compete against a lot of the evening activities that are being organized either through the, the conference itself or a lot of people that organize the, the dinner because I like to go attend those and not have to worry about a whole lot. But the, the early morning runners, I, I, I'm there for. <laughs> One of my favorites, ghost tours. Mm. The thing about ghost tour, it's usually later in the evening. So it's after dinner and you're not competing yep. with the dinner or I got to go check email from work. It's a walking tour. You're not running. So it's open to more people, but also because you're walking. I'm not a runner. I don't know how easy it is to have the conversation <laughs> on the trail. Now you're, you're walking. In fact, this is something I learned on dates, but dating and conferences, there's a lot in common at working at conferences <laughs> dating. Some of the best dates I've been at, it's not we're sitting across the table from each other talking. Mm -mm. One of my best dates ever, she had to run errands and I went with her because mm -hmm. now it's active. Now we're doing things. There's always topics of conversation that come up. And so as you're on the ghost tour, you'll get the history, you'll get things happening. But then you'll also have periods where you're walking from one to another, and that's a chance to talk and mingle with people. And it's just a fun kind of thing to do. So ghost tours are one of my favorites, and every city has some type of ghost tour. I, I do like ghost tours. Actually, I went to Asheville last year, Asheville, North Carolina, and did a, a ghost tour there. And it was so much fun. I like it because they usually incorporate some of the architecture and the history of the city. They give these like fun little stories, and you're right. There's like this nice like break. You talk for five minutes, you, you hit a new spot, you get to learn something or you get to be entertained and you get to do it again. I never thought about it from a date perspective. That, that's a really good date idea. And this, I might've learned this through you or your book. I can't remember. Uh, might've been somebody else, but whenever you're having a difficult conversation with a subordinate, with an employee, maybe you got to share some, some tough feedback or something rather than sitting across the table from each other, go on a walk together. Something about being shoulder to shoulder with someone and like kind of staring together ahead helps the conversation a little bit. So I could definitely see that from a, the walking tours perspective or the, the running errands example that you gave there. I think that's, that's really solid. <laughs> oh no, one of the ghost tours I organized resulted in a marriage and at least one child. What? <laughs> All right, so that's a success. Honestly, I think I'm gonna steal that. I got a couple of conferences. I have one that's in New Orleans and I am guessing <laughs> they got good ghost tours that are out there. So I might look for one. And I do, I like the idea because you're right. They're usually right when the evening starts, right around dusk or something. So it could be like a post-dinner activity to do. And a lot of people are out looking for that. And there's usually like a big isolated segment of people that aren't really, they don't want to go out and do the drinking in the bars and all of that post-conference. They actually want to wake up the next morning and, and be able to participate in the sessions and the conversations that they're having. But I never felt like there's enough post-dinner activities for people attending conferences that don't want to incorporate alcohol. Yeah. And so doing ghost tours, karaoke. Now there's often alcohol with karaoke, but karaoke yeah. is another fun one. Could be seeing a band, a local band. I see people do that. But again, some of the challenges, especially as you get older, the very loud band at this bar club makes it harder to talk and have a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and that's important as you're picking these things. What's going to lead to a conversation? Because that's why you're there. No doubt. 
What about exiting conversations? So, so many times I'm at a conference and I walk up to someone, we're having a great conversation, but I'm there to meet a lot of people, especially kind of the, the one hour happy hours post the, the very last session. I'm, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm spending time and, and having four, five, six decent conversations there. And sometimes I get sucked into a conversation. It's hard for me to step out. Do you have any advice for, for how to politely and gracefully exit conversations? Got a couple tips, and these are from my book. One, it's body language. What you want to do is when someone is at a little pause, and that's harder with some people, because some people are just rapidly talking, 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 and you just never have <laughs> yes. that pause. But for those where there is that pause, even between one sentence and the next, what you want to do is rock to your back foot, rock to your front foot, and as you rock to your front foot, extend your hand. That little body language of I'm coming in towards you, just it's a few inches. Like think about what happens when you put out your hand to shake someone's hand. So as your body, your torso moves forward, that's noticeable when they're eyesight, and your hand goes forward, go oh, handshake, that usually signals the end of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Now you can do it a few ways. So you do want that body language part of it. The words you choose can be, I've really enjoyed talking to you. I want to make sure I catch someone else. A specific or just someone, not you. Yep. I'm trying to make sure I catch one of the vendors, whatever, or I need to check some emails before the next session. It could just be, hey, I've enjoyed this conversation. I definitely want to continue it later. Do you have a card? Mm. By the way, asking for a card at any point in the conversation, I don't ask for a card up front. Because even if we're talking, if I don't need to do that little interruption, we're just talking, maybe even the conversation's kind of fizzling out. Say, hey, by the way, Justin, do you have a card? Now we exchange cards. There's an extra point. Great. Thanks so much, Justin. I'll be in touch. Mm -hmm. Asking for a card is another signal. One of the other techniques I do, and this works at parties as well, is often I keep my drink effectively half full. Now, if I'm enjoying the conversation, whether I finish the drink or not, great. If, however, I'm looking for a way to get out, I'm going to accelerate what I imbibe. Hopefully, it's not alcoholic, because if you do this too much, it's going to be <laughs> detrimental. And then, at an appropriate point, I say, hey, listen, I'm really parched. I need to go grab another drink. And that's a good justification to exit. So, you can try any of these techniques. But the key thing especially if it's someone you want to keep in touch with, is to emphasize that. It's not, well, thanks, got to go. I need to get a drink. I got to check email. But you really want to emphasize, I've enjoyed talking to you. Definitely want to continue the conversation. Let's stay in touch, but make a concrete next step. Let me make sure I have your email. Let's exchange cards. I'll reach out to you when we're back from the conference. Whatever it is, have a concrete next step. Think of it just like when you meet someone, think dating, hey, you're kind of cute. This has been fun. I do want to try meeting a couple other girls before this party is over. <laughs> but I want to make sure I get your number. I want to make sure I've got a next step. And I'm still leaving you with a positive impression that there's more to come. I like that. Mark, I feel like sometime we're going to have to bring you on and talk about dating because uh, this conversation keeps leading that direction. <laughs> what about uh, VIPs, big names? This could be the, the conference speakers. It could be industry celebrities, popular creators, the top executives in the space. Have you given any thought to 
I want to meet one of the, these people. How do I approach this? How, what's, what's like a good methodology that you found in, in your conference goings? These people, as you can imagine, are popular. There's usually that yeah. cue that forms as soon as they walk off the stage. The key thing is to understand your objective. Here's the analogy. Your resume does not get you a job. The purpose of your resume is to get you the interview where you then impress them to get the job. Your job, when you're meeting this person, you have some reason you want to meet them, to talk to them about something, pitch them something, get some next step. Your job isn't to do the pitch at that moment because this person, they just finished their talk, their energy levels are high or low or however they feel after the talk. They've got a swarm of people coming at them. They've got a lot to do, a lot to juggle. They might even be hot from the lights, thirsty, whatever. So you want to do the quick hit. And your job here is not to do the pitch. Your job, this is the resume. This is the elevator pitch. Your job is to get the next conversation. Mm. And so have your elevator pitch. Hi, I'm Mark Kirchberg. I'm with this group. I'm really interested in speaking to you about this because I think this would be a good thing for both of us to do. I know you're really busy and lots of people to talk to you. Can I get your card to follow up? There we go. Did my pitch expressed. Here's my objective. The next step, get your card, send you an email. Often you get a yes, especially if it's just a card or an email. Done. That's a win. Nice. That makes total sense to me. And, and you're right. When the queue is right behind you too, I, you feel the pressure anyway. It's nice just to, to take the 30 seconds, make the introduction, share a little bit about you and, and get the next step in place. And honestly, you might see them later on at the conference when it might be a better time or a more appropriate time. They're walking between sessions and they don't got 15 people waiting to talk to them because they just walked off stage. I can tell you having been the person from the stage, you feel bad when you see the queue and person one comes up and two and three and the person number four is trying to have this five-minute conversation and you see the other people waiting. Uh, look, I'm, I'm happy to speak to you. I want to help you, but there's other people and we're being rude. Yeah. And so then it puts me, the speaker, in this awkward position of having to cut you off. So when you come at the speaker and just say, here's my quick hit, here's the objective, I'm going to be very efficient with your time, we appreciate that. Hmm. Before we transition into post-conference and, and share some best practices around that too, you, you did kind of lead off with some things that maybe you shouldn't do, some things that you learned in your early conference goings. <laughs> what are a couple of things now being where you're at in your career and kind of flashing back to, to Mark in his 20s, his 30s, kind of attending his first half dozen conferences or so that you wish you could shake him and tell him? Three things. First, the talks are the least important part of the conference. Mm, tell me more. This is silly. Wait, we're going to the conference for talks. Now, 20 plus years ago, that is why you went. Because you had your local community and then you said, I want to learn new techniques in my industry, trends, things going on. But today with the internet, it is unlikely there's anything you're going to hear at that conference that you can't find somewhere else. In an article, a blog post, a webinar, a podcast, you're probably going to get the information. Now, occasionally there is something that isn't as public and it's the nature of the conference or you hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Fantastic. But it's unlikely, wow, that information, I'm so glad I flew all the way here and spent all this money because I never would have learned that anywhere else. 
That's unlikely. So the talks are actually the least important part of most conferences today. And fortunately, event planners, conference planners haven't fully grasped that. Hopefully they will. It needs to be more experiential relationships. And the talks are the glue, the foundation or catalyst that creates these. Second, especially in my 20s, stop collecting the junk. (laughs) It was, oh, look, another push ball, another little pen and trinket and light up whatever. And, oh, 19 t-shirts. I so needed 19 t-shirts. Stop. Now, I will still get t-shirts because I use them when exercising. And your free t-shirt with your company, fantastic. Thank you. You saved me from buying one. And if you like t-shirts and you want to wear them, I happen to like wearing dress shirts these days, even though I work in tech, that's my choice. If you're going to wear the t-shirts, great, get the t-shirts, but don't just grab all the swag out there because often you'll find you get it all and then you say, do I need this? And it's going to wind up in landfill. Mm -hmm. So be a little more intentional. I know it it can be hard because 23 are like, free, I have no money, free stuff. I definitely know the older I got, I don't need your free drink. I don't need your free mug. I can buy my own. Good enough. (laughs) The third thing, there's a don't do and a do. The mistake I see so many people make, and I did this myself when I was younger, is it's lunchtime. I'm going to sit with my coworkers. Mm -hmm. We all do this. You have the rest of the year to sit with your coworkers. Now, to be fair, some of us, especially we're in virtual companies or we might be in different offices, you might not get to sit with them. Sit with them at dinner. That's when you can build a relationship with them. And having that is important. You're hopefully going to have another episode on internal networking at company. And this is a chance to build some of those internal networks. But at this conference, sit with other people. Now you can. So when I go to an event, I will find an open, empty table and sit there. Or usually, because that scares other people off, they go, you're not my company. I don't want to sit with you. I'll find a table that's half open. There's some people there. If there's only one chair, it might be reserved for someone. So when I see there's a few chairs, is this seat open? And now I'm sitting with strangers. I can start having a conversation. If that's a little scary, do bring one of your coworkers with you. This is, to use yet another dating analogy, this is your wingman. This is <laughs> you, but don't just turn and talk to each other. The two of you are going to have a conversation with the other folks. Now, sadly, many people will still, they'll be polite. They may turn back and focus on their coworkers or their cell phones. Try to focus on other people, not just your coworker or cell phone. Yeah, I agree. And lunch is just the prime opportunity to meet so many other, another amazing people I like to try to tee it up in the line if I can, you know, have a conversation with the person behind me or in front of me. If I'm vibing with them, I might, hey, where are you sitting? Do you mind if I join you? If I'm not really vibing with them, well, it's great to meet you. And I might go find that half empty table at that point in time. And man, I feel like you're attacking me because I have five fidget spinners from the last conference I attended. And I'm like, I don't need any of these. (laughs) The only thing is I'm really kind of, I I do pick up t-shirts if they're soft t-shirts and I feel like they're good exercise t-shirts. It's just a good way to rotate out my running shirts here and there. And I'll pick up pick-me-up snacks too, like the granola bars or, you know, energy bars, things like that. I'm like, load, load the backpack up with snacks because I typically end up needing something mid-afternoon in that realm. And snacks, by the way, if you're a vendor, snacks are great, especially something 
not just for there, but something that I can throw in my bag and have for the plane ride home. Yes. Because on that plane ride, probably it's going to get delayed and I can be stuck there and hungry and just having that snack. Boy, I will appreciate that. You're just opening it up. Man, Liberty Mutual saved me on this one. <laughs> so post-conference, I don't know about you. I still haven't quite figured this out. So I am leaning on you for, for some guidance and advice here. But I typically have like three methodologies for like taking notes and action items and recording things. It's like I might have a journal with me that I pull out. I might have a note on my phone. I might have a Word doc that's open on my laptop during sessions. All of the kind of craziness that's happening. How do you go about tracking some of the post-conference action items, particularly the people that you connected with that you want to know that you want to follow up with and continue the conversation with? There's three things that you should do post-conference. First is just organize all those notes because most of us, unless you're super organized, you did take notes in three different places and on <laughs> this device and on a piece of paper and you've got these business cards and they're all over. Take some time, organize it. Add the business cards to your contacts list, add your notes in one place, whatever it takes. And with the people related to this, part of the organization step, you want to email people immediately. Mm. This is not like dating. There's no wait three days or you'll seem too eager. Nope, send that email. When you send the email, this is very important. You're going to lose the card. The email is great. I'm going to email you and say, Justin, it was great meeting you last week at the whatever conference. Really enjoyed talking to you about whatever. Because we might not talk. Maybe you respond with great meeting you too, and we don't talk for a month. Maybe you don't respond. But six months from now or two years from now, when we reconnect, I'm going to think, where do I know you from? What do I know about you? And so what you've done is you've now preserved for both parties. Here is when and where we met. We have a record we can find. If you remember what you talked about, great. There's some commonality. You may not because you were talking to way too many people. So do that follow-up. I'm, I'm actually surprised that you said immediately, I was doing some prep for this conversation and listening to other podcasts about conferences. And I heard it twice. People mentioned that you should wait three to four days after the conference to follow up because people get back and then they have all the work things to do. And, you know, they don't, a bunch of people are following up and you don't want to get lost in the shuffle. But I honestly kind of disagreed with that a little bit. Why not just get on top of it right away? And then you can always follow back up a week later if you wanted to continue the conversation and, and it fell flat at just, it was great to meet you as well. Here's a balance between the two. Now, I recommend, unless you're disciplined, do it sooner because you might think, okay, in three or four days, and now you're catching up on work and something comes up and you drop the ball. That's fair. If you want to wait, and there's some validity that they're coming back, now they have a stack of paperwork, they've got all these inbounds. Here's what you can do. Gmail and many other email clients let Scheduler. you do a delayed send. Yeah. So the next Smart. day, you got back late last night, I do these emails, but they're going to get sent out next week or whenever is convenient. So you can get the best of both worlds there. Mm, that's smart. I like that a lot. All right, sorry. I cut you off at one. What about number two and three? Number two, you just got a fire hose. You got a fire hose of information from the talks, a fire hose of new people you met, and the ideas they shared. Your retention is going to be pretty limited. By the way, the same thing happens reading great books, listening to podcasts. And so we know if you just take it all at once and only see it once, 
or you're going to not retain it. Hmm. And we're going to give you a tool a little later to help you retain it, but recognize that you need to come back to it. Don't think, well, I just organized my notes. Good, done. Make sure you come back to it. And whether you're going to use the tool we'll mention at the end or just set a little calendar reminder two weeks from now, review notes, review notes from the conference, set another one a month from now, six weeks, eight weeks from now, or a recurring one every four weeks, take 15 minutes, review notes, mm. That's 15 minutes on your calendar, make it recurring for a few cycles and just look back. Oh, right. Yep. Oh, you know, I did forget to email her or whatever it is. It's going to just help keep it top of mind. That's mm. the second. The third is don't keep this to yourself. When I send people to conferences, it's great when I can send my whole team. Usually I can't send my whole team to every conference. Someone just came back from the conference and he learned a lot of great information that could probably help others. My requirement when I send someone to a conference is you have to do two things. You have to write up notes on our wiki, summary of the conference, things you learned, you went to, put in links, whatever. Whether it's from someone you met in the hallway or a formal talk, doesn't matter how you learned it, put that on the Confluence page. And then we're going to have you do a presentation or if there's multiple people, you're all going to share 10 minute what you learn. If you don't want to make it too formal, do the, give us your three highlights. You can do this at the end of a regularly scheduled meeting. You can do it at lunch and learn. You can do it informally. If you don't like meetings, email it out, however it is, but share with the group. This does two things. It spreads the information. It increases the value to other people. And remember at the start, we said when you're convincing your boss, you're saying it's going to cost you X, but it's going to get you Y. This is part of the Y. This mm -hmm. is part of it's not just me who's benefiting. Look at how many people can get how much benefit. But also this helps you retain because now that you've written it down and organized it and presented it, that's the multiple touch points to help you bear retain everything you've learned. Oh, I love that. That's a really great tip. And I'm guessing this is probably a best practice, regardless if your manager asks you to do this or not. This might even be something you want to volunteer whenever you're pitching the conference or you're letting them know you're attending this conference. Hey, I had some notes that I wanted to share out. I'll send those out ahead of time. Also, if anybody would be interested, hosting a quick meeting tomorrow to talk about some of the things that I learned at the conference, I'd love to share those things out with you. I just think it sounds like a great best practice, regardless if it's required or not. Absolutely. You're being proactive. You're saying to your manager, your team, I want to help all of you do better. I am giving you all value. Those are the people I want on my team. Hmm. Is there any other thoughts that you have around not even you, but empowering your team and your employees, how to go about helping your employees get the most out of the conferences they attend? I think it comes back to what we've talked about, that preparation to be a little more intentional with meeting people or other things. And then that follow up afterwards, because that one and done, how many times have we gone to a conference, we've taken our notes, and even if we organize it, how often do you actually go back and look at? It? Yeah. And that is a challenge. Again, it happens with the books we read, the podcasts we hear with other things. So we want to make sure there's a cadence where we retouch that information because we know spaced repetition. Seeing the information multiple times is helpful, helps us retain it, helps it become foundational and ingrained. 
you seem pretty passionate about this and <laughs> I'm, I'm making a hard transition here because I know this is something that you are passionate about and you've actually created something to, to help with this in particular. Do you mind talking a little bit about Brain Pump and, and how they can incorporate this into conferences and just kind of furthering their learning at large? Brain Bump is a free app on the Android and iPhone platforms. So you can download completely free. All the content is free. And it helps you with this challenge. There's a couple ways you can use it in general and for conferences. The way Brain Bump works, it's like a cross between a flashcard app and a daily affirmation app and a book summary app. Mm. What we do is we take the key points from books, blogs, podcasts, classes, talks, and we put it into the app. They're all in tip cards. So imagine with a book, for example, you go through with your highlighter. These are things you want to highlight. You've got them as individual tips. They're all marked by topic. Think like hashtags. So the first way you can use it is when you go to a conference, if you download this free app, you can add tips from my book, The Career Toolkit, completely free. From my blog, The Career Toolkit blog, completely free, where we have actually a lot of the advice that we talked about on the show, I've got in the blog, I've got the notes in the app. So all these great ideas, you can literally put them in your pocket. And so now, as you're coming down the elevator and you're thinking, what were those icebreaker questions? Or where should I be going to meet people? What should I be doing? Literally open the app, you hit the tag, networking or events, and boom, there are the ideas. You get them when and where you need it. Because the odds that you're going to remember this entire thing two months from now when you're going to the conference are pretty slim. So you're taking all these ideas, putting them right in your pocket completely free. So you can get the information when and where you need it. Now, it also provides, we talked about space repetition is how you remember things. I know when I read a book, say, oh, so much great advice. And then I forget it. So what's great is I can be reminded. Now, who wants to actually have to open an app every day? That sounds like a lot of effort. We're busy yeah. people. It has this daily affirmation part to it. So I can set up for, let's say, a leadership tip at 9 a.m. each day as I start my morning, get that little tip pop up on my phone. Go, oh, great advice. Swipe, done. Two seconds away, two seconds later, I didn't even open the app, but I saw it again. And seeing it over and over helps me remember it. We never send notifications you didn't ask for. We don't want to spam you. That makes it not fun. So it's only once we say, I want this information, leadership tips, strategy tips, whatever I want at this time, you get what you need when you need it. A few seconds a day helps you retain it. And we're recording this in the summer of 2023. Everything's free. In the 2.0 version coming out at the end of the summer of 2023 in the Northern Hemisphere, so look, late August, early September 2023, the 2.0 version, also free, will let you add your own notes. So cool. you can take the tips that you got from a conference, the key ideas you want to remember, or your Kindle highlights, for example, wherever you get them, and you can put them into the app. And now we talked about you want to get that reminder so you look at them again. The app does that for you. You can find it in the stores or go to brainbumpapp.com. Download it for free. Yeah, it's been really cool actually watching you create this. Uh, whenever our first conversation happened, 
I don't even know if this was really an idea yet. It might have been, but definitely not a concept that you shared with me during that first conversation. You were all about the career toolkit and marketing that and and sharing that out large. But it's been cool over the last couple of years having some conversations and getting to see some of the demos on this. It's a very, very slick product out there. And you still have the book. The Career Toolkit is out there. It's actually one of my favorite recommendations. I, I, I've handed out a couple of copies already. It's probably second to I Will Teach You To Be Rich by Ramit Sethi for something that I'm just giving out to especially new graduates all the time. So if you're looking for a field guide to really help you get launched in your career, I think it's great. I believe it's like 10 chapters total and you cover some really big topics within inside of your career, like career planning like networking, like negotiation, lots of good stuff. So that's still out there too. We'll put both Brain Bump and the Career tool- Toolkit in the show notes for anyone that's that's looking for quick links on that. So Mark, I want to end the conversation with our final question, which is if you had the opportunity to teach a 16-week class to a group of graduating college seniors on a topic that isn't normally covered in the classroom, what would you teach and how would you teach it? That would be the topic of the Career Toolkit And as listeners who heard our prior episode might remember, it comes from the fact that at MIT, we said students aren't getting this knowledge, networking, negotiation, leadership, communication, team building. We're not teaching it. Let's teach it. And we're doing it at MIT, but needs to be more widespread. That led to the book and then the career toolkit app. That's what I had at the time. And I got so much great feedback on that app that we created Brain Bump, which is a general version, not just for my book, but for every book and blog and podcast. I would teach that class. Now you ask, how would I teach it? This is key. The way we teach it at MIT, it is not lecture-based. It's not, I'm going to stand at the board and write down things. You're going to copy them down. It's experiential. Because a lot of these skills, we can tell you right now, this is what to do. But still, the first time you go out, and you have to walk up to someone, you're going to feel like that middle schooler, awkward and it's hard. And it's through practice, whether it's practice in what we do in the classroom or practice in the real world, that's what's going to help you build these muscles to get better at all of these skills. So good. So good. Mark, Mark, it's been a pleasure. I always enjoy our conversations. I, I feel like you're a wealth of knowledge and I'm, I can't believe it's only your second appearance on, on The Struggle is Real. Hopefully many more to come in the future. We're just so aligned and, and a lot of our thinking and a lot of our thoughts, but I'm glad that that I got to flex your, your muscles on the conference attendee space. You gave a lot of really great ideas. So thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Once again, that's Mark Hirschberg, author of The Career Toolkit, founder of Brain Bump, plus many other accolades. Go follow him on LinkedIn and, and you'll just see the, the career history, all the interesting things that he's up to and that he's done over his, his career. You know, he mentioned MIT and being a professor there. Yeah, man, this guy's one of the most fascinating people that I know. So once again, Mark, Mark Hirschberg, love you guys. Thanks for listening to the episode. As always, I appreciate your kind words. If you want to leave us a rating and review on your podcast player right now, that would absolutely make my day. If you want to find episode show notes, our blog, and other great resources, head over to tsirpodcast.com. If you have follow-up questions, an idea for a future episode, or just want to say hi, we have a contact form on our website and those messages go straight into my inbox and I promise you, I will reply. But all right, guys, I really appreciate you tuning in. I love you all and you're not alone. 
Let's keep making it through our struggles together. 